degrees. It's currently 18 degrees, 17 degrees. It's currently 18 degrees and the humidity is 29%. The red fire danger warning and strong monsoon signal are in effect. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome back, Jack. I'm Andrew Work, and your guest presenter today is Rainbow Lung. Good morning, Rainbow. Good morning. Hey, on Friday's Back Chat, we're looking at U.S.-China relations after President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart, Joe Biden, concluded their high-profile summit in San Francisco as an adjunct to the APEC meetings happening there. According to broadcaster CCTV, President Xi said both sides have agreed to resume high-level military dialogues on the basis of equality and respect. But he raised concerns over export controls, investment screenings, and sanctions imposed by Washington, saying it had, quote, severely harmed China's legitimate interests. The two leaders have agreed to work together to address the source of fentanyl, a leading cause of drug overdoses in the U.S. Meanwhile, in his social media pages, Mr. Biden said that he had held, quote, constructive and productive discussions with President Xi. How significant is this meeting and what does it mean for U.S.-China relations? After 9.45, we're going to be switching gears and find out how a new generation of biodegradable food packaging may be able to replace plastic. And the research has been done right here in Hong Kong. We want to know what you think. You can leave us a message on our Facebook page. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk. Or you can call us on 233-88266. And sometimes you do. We've got three guests today to get into this uh, big topic. Uh, we're going to say good morning to Ho Lok Sang, the director of the Pan Su Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lignan University. Pause for breath. Good morning, Professor. Uh, good morning. Hello. We are also welcoming on the line uh, from Shanghai is Joseph Gregory Mahoney, who is a professor of politics and international relations at the East China Normal University of Shanghai. Good morning, Professor Mahoney. Good morning to you. Hey. Uh, we also welcome Alan Lung, who is the co-convener of the uh, International of the Path of Democracy. Alan Lung, good morning. Hello. Hello. Okay, uh, we're going to start off uh, with something a little bit light. Joe Biden uh, had the occasion during the meeting to uh, ask Mr. Xi to pass his birthday wishes on to Mrs. Xi Jinping. And apparently Mr. Xi's reaction to that was, you know, I've been working so hard, I totally forgot Thank you for the reminder. So nice to see the guys helping each other out. Uh, Professor Mahoney, what, what is the view from inside China? How are they pitching this? Well, I, I would say that the view generally is a lot more positive than what we're seeing uh, coming from the United States. Um, uh, I know that in a lot of the state media, it's been uh, hyped. Uh, in, in various ways, not not necessarily hyping um, major achievements, but the fact that this uh, could be a breakthrough in terms of our turning point or that we've reached uh, the threshold for a new normal. Uh, all of these narratives are, are being explored and I think hoped for uh, among Chinese people, but also uh, state media. But in the U.S., I think we see a much more cautious approach. Uh, we see um, um, Biden saying that it was a, a positive meeting, but at the same time, uh, there were really only a couple of accomplishments. And then, of course, uh, unfortunately, not, not long after the meeting, during one of his press conferences, he, he called uh, President Xi a dictator again. And this is now roiling through China, uh, uh, as happened earlier this year in June. So I think uh, the, the messaging is, is uh, convoluted. Um, uh, it's optimistic in China, but uh, 
I think, uh, once again, people are, are coming back to reality in a sense. Mm, do you think, uh, you know, Joe Biden's classic, you know, OK, they, they've done everything the way they were supposed to. They've made their official statements. And then Joe Biden kind of has this like, whoops, off the cuff <laughs> remark that seems to, you know, put a different spin on think, everything. I don't think it was off the cuff. I don't okay. think it was off the cuff. You know, I, I think, I, you know, I, I don't know the reporter who asked the question, but she asked him a leading question. She walked him right into the question. Hmm. And one of the things, that, again, that was going through Chinese social media this morning is uh, Blinken's response. Blinken, um, uh, uh, regretting that the question was, was asked, and, and, and at least this was the way it was being depicted in, in Chinese media, and his facial expression uh, of being one of dismay after uh, Biden took that bait. And, and reiterated that he that he's a dictator. Uh, and and to be honest with you, um, you know the, the Chinese system is is different from the American system, but uh, she is not a dictator um, uh, given the way the system works. Certainly, he wields a lot of power, um, and and Biden knows that. And if he doesn't know that, then he's ignorant. And if and if he does know it, then he's being aggressive. And I think that's the the, the question we have to confront this morning in terms of. Uh, uh, what, what's his, his real position in this, in this negotiation, in this bilateral relationship. Mm. The, the meeting was certainly very, very civilised, uh, generally apart from the, uh, the, the comment, the, the, you know, the closing comment by, by uh, President Biden. But, but Mr Ho, um, what yes. in your views uh, were the outcomes, you know, positive and negative coming out of, uh, coming out of the meeting? Well, I think, uh, uh, of course, uh, most people are disappointed that the, that all, all those uh, um, tariffs are still on. There's nothing uh, removed. So people are disappointed, and, of course, uh, the sanctions are still on, and uh, some of the sanctions were recently levied, so, uh, so recently imposed. So, so I think uh, uh, people are disappointed, you know. But uh, at the same time, I think it's important that, uh, that the communications uh, continue at a very high level and that we ward off uh, really, uh, you know, the possibility of uh, military conflict. I think uh, after uh, this establishment of military, re-establishment of military links, it's uh, quite uh, clear that uh, no serious conflict, you know, on the military front will, will, will take place. And I think that's the most important thing. And I also think that uh, uh, this opportunity for uh, President Xi to directly address the business uh, community, you know, without uh, the, uh, the interpretation of, uh, of writers, you know, who, who um, interpret or um, write their, um, the, the tips in their own way. And I think that Direct communication is very useful, you know, because uh, uh, obviously um, many of these uh, come in highest. And, uh, mm. of course, I also think that uh, uh, people are human, and uh, I'm not surprised that uh, uh, Biden said that sort of thing, you know, because uh, um, I agree that actually he is a bit ignorant, you know. Um, um, I'm here also beholden to domestic politics, and I think uh, saying that kind of thing, you know, dictator and so on, uh, would please uh, some of the domestic uh, 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 people. And uh, uh, but I think, uh, as uh, was uh, mentioned uh, just now uh, by by by, by uh, Professor um, from Shanghai, um, of course, uh, President Xi is not a dictator. 
You know, in fact, uh, uh, I had written uh, an article saying that uh, uh, if there's anything that dictates, you know what, uh, uh, it's the the things, the way things work out, you know, because uh, the market and all, of, all, all these laws that are quite objective and that dictate what is necessary to be done. And, uh, uh, and President Xi has to do what is right. And so the circumstances and the laws of nature that dictate what he had to do. Mm. And, uh, and I think um, uh, it does display some, some ignorance or the fact that he is uh, mm. biased by ideology. Mm. And coming back to the economics of flowing from the meeting, I mean, do you think President Xi has done enough and has the meeting eased anxieties by international businesses? In other words, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, has it stemmed, you know, do you think the meeting has helped or will help to stem some of the exodus I, of foreign... Yes, I think so. I'm, you know, because uh, a lot of uh, the business leaders were, were there on site mm. when uh, President Xi made that address. And... Uh, you know, what he was saying was that we are quite open. We want to um, um, work on our economy, and uh, we welcome investment. We uh, are open, and we continue with our economic reforms and that sort of thing, you know. So, so I think uh, this direct communication, uh, free from those interpretations of biases uh, of the commentators, you know, from, from the uh, different media, uh, that's help. Uh, Alan Lung, I know you're going to get a solo shot at back chat uh, after the half hour, but we do want to hear from you. Uh, give, us a, give us your high-level take on this. What, what, uh, were, there, were there productive takeaways from this? Uh, well, since we're on this dictator bit, I'd like, um, I, I think Biden actually gave the concession. Uh, I agree with uh, Professor Mahoney that he walked into a trap. But what he actually said that he, uh, he, he, he thinks uh, President is a dictator in the sense that the CCP and the US, US system are different. So he's backing off of it and not saying that he personally. Okay, uh, I mean... And, and he, he did walk into a trap and he liked to sort of swallow work. So, but the meeting is very cordial and um, showed a picture of him 38 years ago. And uh, stay comfortable along, you said that. Okay. Um, could, I mean, what could each side reasonably expect from this? I mean, so the Americans come away from it and they're like, military to military communications can help to lower the temperature. Uh, the U.S. has got China some promises to act on su supplies of fentanyl because, of course, the opioid crisis is a big deal. Was there really any, like, I mean, what else could they have put on the table? Uh, Professor Mahoney, I mean, what, what, I mean, I can't really think of much else, you know? Well, I think in the background, what we, what we are also hearing, of course, is Janet Yellen uh, giving some very positive signals about um, uh, trying to uh, get closer with uh, uh, China's new economic leadership and economic um, 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 management system. You know, they've, they've restructured this recently. Um, and uh, that she expects to come uh, visit again, um, uh, perhaps early next year. Um, we are anticipating some sort of, um, you know, progress on economic talks. I don't think we expected uh, the raising of or the, the elimination of tariffs or, or walking back any aspects of the trade or tech war at this point. 
Um, I do think the, the concession on fentanyl, I don't think that was a big deal. This was something that China was doing to help uh, the United States before. They put in place uh, rules and, and laws and, and, and enforced those. But then, you know, people found workarounds. Uh, and given uh, all that was happening with COVID and other issues and the fact that this is no longer just a China problem, it's moving through Mexico. And, mm. and again, it's fundamentally an American problem, mm. right? It's Americans' uh, drug problem. Uh, and so, um, you know, why does China have to clean up this mess uh, and, and, and deal with this social problem in the United States? Why is China being blamed for that? It's, 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 it's one of these things that sort of begs the question in the context of, of the U.S. blaming China for everything else. So I, I would say that, in fact, there were two significant concessions made by Beijing. Uh, one was fentanyl. It wasn't that big, but it was important to the U.S. and military to military communications. And on the one hand, I agree with the earlier comment that this is a positive thing uh, in so much as we would like to have more communication. But recall that, that these were broken off because of Pelosi's visit. Um, and they were not restored in part because of other provocations, uh, selling weapons, uh, McCarthy's visit with, with uh, the leader in, uh, in California, so forth and so on. And we, we shouldn't be surprised if the new Speaker of the House uh, uh, tries to upset the balance again sometime in the near, uh, near future. Um, and I think Beijing uh, was, has been concerned that, in fact, we've seen increasing near encounters in the South China Sea. We've seen increasing militarization in, in East Asia. Uh, we've seen increasing propagations over Taiwan. And, you know, if we have military-to-military -military communications, does this actually allow the U.S. to better manage those kind of provocations? Those, mm. Does it in some way actually facilitate uh, more U.S. aggression? I think this has been some of the thinking that's been happening in Beijing. It's not just been punitive, as, as in we're not going to communicate with you because you, you've been provocative, but rather we don't want to communicate with you because we don't want to facilitate uh, near encounters and other provocations. So these were two significant concessions uh, uh, towards uh, the United States. Uh, I think they're good faith um, um, uh, movements. I think they're 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 well intended, um, and uh, I don't yet see what the U.S. has has returned uh, aside from assurances that they're not going to um, uh, uh, that they're not going to what uh, um, provoke further over Taiwan. Uh, in fact, she made it clear that uh, that the that uh, China is not going to invade. Uh, Taiwan. Um, uh, he made this uh, a commitment. So, in any event, um, this is these are some of the, the the issues that I think have been going on. I do agree that probably uh, there, there, there are two more quick points. The the the, the, um, the fact that he was able to address business leaders. I think this is really compelling. Um, you know, he's he's had he's hosted several high level business leaders in the past uh, in the past year after the COVID controls dropped. Yeah. And I'm sure that many of them advised him, you know, you should come and talk to business leaders in the United States, because once they start moving, what, they can begin to lobby. They can begin to bring corporate money into Congress, into the White House and really begin to press. And uh, China can encourage that in a number of ways. They can expand access. They can uh, mm -hmm. put protections. We saw uh, Beijing saying that they're going to uh, take uh, uh, level playing field issues and forced tech transfers more seriously. And these are all things that he probably communicated very clearly to the CEOs in, in San Francisco, and that's going to push them. The other um, thing is... Um, uh, uh, you know, Professor Modi, I, I, did, I did want to give Holak Sang a chance to get his final digs in because he does have to leave the show a little bit oh, early. Go ahead. Good. Thank you. Professor Ho, yeah, sorry, but Professor Mahoney, we're definitely going to have you on right after that. Professor Ho, have you got some uh, your final words before you have to go this morning? Yes. Uh, yes, uh, I'm uh, actually quite 
quite positive, you know, with this uh, uh, meeting. And I look forward to uh, China actually uh, making more gestures you know, to show its uh, uh, friendliness, you know, to Americans. And I think there will be more communications, not only at the official level, but also uh, at the on the ground level, you know, with uh, uh, more Americans visiting China and more students uh, coming to, to, to China. And I think uh, that is uh, very important, you know, because uh, without people actually seeing the country, visiting the country and seeing the country, it's very difficult, you know, for, for people to, to know what's really happening there. Time to open those doors again. Well, thank you very much, Holok Sung, for joining us on the show this morning. Uh, we know you've got to go. He's the director at the Pansu Tong Shanghai Hong Kong Economic Policy Research Institute at Lignant University. That is one of the longer titles I've, I've done on this show, for sure. Um, uh, coming back, at so Professor Mahoney, uh, back to you. You gave us with, you, you kind of laid a lot on us to unpack. Um, a lot of people were coming into this saying, as long as they lower the temperature on the U.S.-China relations, that's a success. I mean, I... I didn't. Nobody expected major breakthroughs. Is that a fair statement? I think it is. But but to, to go back, you know, late uh, at the Bali meeting last year, the, the the big optimism is that maybe we'd see a state visit or a summit this year, and we were left with sort of the last international meeting, APEC, uh, and it was going to be on the sidelines. And I think we were all, you know, really happy with that after all the negative things that happened this year. We go, okay, well, at least we're going to get that. And I would say, in fact, we got more than a sidelines meeting. This was as close as uh, uh, that we could get, I think, to a summit at this point. I mean, you know, they went off the sidelines. They went to a lovely place. They had uh, a very choreographed meeting. Uh, all of that's very positive, and I, and I think that that should be acknowledged. Um, my concern is, you know, what are we going to see in 2024? One of the reasons that they had this meeting is because we expect things to be more difficult in 2024 with the election in Taiwan, with the election in the United States. And it, it, it sort of begs the question, how long can we have this brief little respite um, and, and, um, uh, and, and sort of uh, everyone can take a breather and, and, and relax a moment? Um, and and I, I hope that this dictator comment is not a signal that now, you know, the gloves are off and we're, we're back at it. Um, maybe Biden, who's a master of sequencing, will wait. Um, uh, for a month or two so that he can, you know, roll out, uh, if he's going to roll out more aggression, uh, that he would do that so it would, it would better serve his uh, his campaign um, in, in terms of uh, uh, stoking uh, American anger. Because, I mean, you, you, um, make, you make a good point, because if he's up against, uh, you know, the, the presumptive Republican nominee is Donald Trump, and if he knows that he can, you know, beat up the president on China stuff and he knows that Joe Biden has to respond, Trump doesn't care if that's bad for America to pick that fight. You know, he'll 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 ratchet well, up he'll ratchet up the anti-China. He knows that Biden's going to have to go with him. Well, to be honest with you, I think Biden wants to go with him. I, I don't. You know, I, I think you know when we look back at that Alaska meeting, uh, that set the tone. And and in fact, Biden has been far more devastating and and aggressive towards China than than Trump was. You know, Trump had a lot of flash. He had a lot of negative rhetoric. He he said very provocative and, and dog whistle things. But Biden has been extremely effective in advancing uh, what many people, including myself, believe is a new Cold War paradigm. The, the problem that Biden has had, and one of my concerns about this about this meeting, is that Biden has been so effective at, at repositioning American military assets, pushing back into Asia. Uh, but he hasn't been very effective in uh, advancing uh, the economic decoupling. Uh, now, 
does this mean that the U.S. needs more time, that they need to slow down the, 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 the new Cold War paradigm to, to give more time to, to economic decoupling? Or does it mean that uh, the U.S. now has enough assets in place that it feels like it can uh, uh, find a new normal uh, in, in ties? Or does it simply mean that we're already in the Cold War like we once were with, between the U.S. and USSR, and now we have these two great powers uh, meeting in these uh, difficult meetings to hash out crises events related to whether it's Gaza or Ukraine or climate change or AI and nukes uh, or fentanyl or whatever it is that, uh, that is, is the most pressing issue. Um, in fact, we hear that there were 20 um, uh, agreements made. And uh, this has been talked about in the Chinese press as, as a positive. It's not really being talked about in the Western press. Um, and, and I say, well, you know, that's, that's great, but it's also an indication that these things have been building up for some time, and these were crises that had to be dealt with. So uh, it's a good thing, but it's also a sign that, that the relationship is, in fact, uh, in, in grave danger and faces uh, big headwinds uh, down the road. Uh, and the relationship, uh, this, the meeting is a good first step in thawing the relationship, um, which has been on ice probably for about a year or so. But, but it seems to me that the two countries are still very much far apart, um, still very much adversarial. adversarial. What, what do you think? Uh, Alan Lung, we'll no, give you. A I do. I, oh, sorry, I was going to give Alan Lung a chance ahead. to get back in there. Hopefully, we've improved his sound quality. Alan, yes, I'm back in. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, what do you think? Is it, are we turning? Do we turn up the heat in 2024? To, uh, what was the context on, on U.S. Was, U.S.-China relations? I mean, are we are we going to? Uh, can we expect? Are things just going to heat up going into the U.S.-China elections, or is this going to have any uh, impact? Uh, in, uh, I think they are. You know, there was. Neither side was could declare a victory, but they did agree to work together. So at least it's, it's a. I mean, they 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 said they'll pick up the phone when one side call each other, and they they'll continue to talk at lower level and so on. And uh, they would they they clarified their decision, uh, clarified their position on Taiwan, and deny that there's a a plan to attack Taiwan. And uh, and except in, in circumstances, let's say uh, Taiwan declared independence and so on. And the military headline resume, which is the, the thing the I think the U.S. side wants the most. Uh, they may have U.S. may have give some concession on the chip war, but they stand firm on on military technology transfer. So all in all, at least it, it will not go, get worse. Whether it, it will get better depends on uh, on uh, circumstances particularly the uh, congress will continue to uh, uh, sort of uh, badmouth china and so on that that cannot be changed mm -hmm. in, in one meeting sure uh, professor mahoney you've got one minute for a minute a minute and a bit uh get your final digs in before we uh, before we break for the news at nine thirty. You know, I think that they, they both leaders had to have this meeting. They needed to have a meeting uh, with it, because if they didn't, it would be embarrassing to both sides. And they had to also have a meeting that wouldn't embarrass either one of them. And I think that that was accomplished, and that was that was very important, and we shouldn't undersell it. I think that there have been some important uh, uh, agreements that will be uh, vital for dealing, uh, uh, we, we hope, with, with some very uh, uh, problematic issues. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. 
uh, I'm going to be watching what's happening in the business community with CEOs and whether or not they're going to be responding. Are we going to see the return of, of more Americans with the increase in flights? Are we going to see the return of more investment? Or is this going to continue to trend in the downward direction that we've seen this year? I mean, we did we did have the uh, the advanced wave of U.S. business people going to China in advance of the this reestablishment of, of political ties that seems to be happening. Um, are there going to be more to follow? I, I would I would guess that we we will see this, but uh, you know I think one of the things that a lot of them are doing is they're sort of looking over their shoulder to see whether or not uh, Biden is going to uh, continue to be aggressive with with financial restrictions or, or trade restrictions. We did see a huge contingent of Americans, and we also saw a, a U.S. government pavilion at this year's uh, Import Expo in uh, Shanghai this just a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so this, you know, indicates that there is a clear interest and that there's there's probably some momentum moving in this direction. But I think there's still a lot of hesitancy because, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a lack of certainty about which direction, not only uh, that Biden may take, but if Biden doesn't remain in office, you know, we could see a significant change in policy, um, uh, you know, improving or getting worse. Who knows at this point? That'll, yeah, and I guess that'll come in 2025 if a new president is installed at that time. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph Gregory. Mahoney, Professor of Politics and International Relations at East China Normal University in Shanghai. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, having a quick look at the weather uh, forecast for today. Sunny and very dry temperatures lower in the morning. Max temperature around 22 degrees. Uh, and looking forward under the influence of a north northeast monsoon, the weather will be generally fine over the coast of Guangdong. So look for some good weather this weekend. Uh, we have the red fire danger warning. We have a strong monsoon signal up. It is 18 degrees Celsius, 32 degrees, uh, 32 percent humidity. And this is Back Chat. It's 930 and now the news with Carol Musgrave. President Xi Jinping and his U.S. counterpart Joe Biden have come face to face again this morning, a day after their landmark bilateral talks. The leader of Hong Kong's delegation to the APEC talks, Paul Chan, also had an opportunity to speak to Mr. Xi. The hospital authority says an expert report has found that the material used to coat cables in redevelopment work at the Kwanghua Hospital falls short of the thickness and weight specified in its contract. And Israeli troops have been searching for a second day through the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza for traces of Hamas. The hospital has had no fuel for days. Doctors say at least 40 people have died, including several babies. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. Improving district administration and reforming district councils matter to the well-being of us all and are essential to the good governance of Hong Kong. Candidates who are patriotic and have an affection for Hong Kong and the community, please strive to win the valuable votes from the voters. Voters, please cast your vote on December 10th. Pick your preferred candidate. Let's build a nice and harmonious community together. Cast your vote at DC election on December 10th for a better community. The Chief Executive's 2023 Policy Address seeks to enhance the growth impetus of our economy and our well-being. We will press ahead with major infrastructure projects and different industries, attract top-notch enterprises and talent, develop Hong Kong as an international hub for higher education, and cultivate local technical professionals. We will promote childbearing and take good care of the elderly. We will protect our health and build our home together. A vibrant economy for a caring community. This policy address belongs to each of us. 
And we're back on Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work here with uh, Rainbow Lung. And we are talking about U.S.-China relations. And I've got a couple of emails that, uh, you know, we like to get the emails in when we can or Facebook comments. Uh, don't forget, you can also catch the show later on Spotify and anywhere you get your uh, anywhere you get your podcast. So that's cool. Comment from Henry. Biden is clearly having senile diseases. I notice his movements like hand, body movement, etc. clearly shows signs of frailty. No word if... Henry is a geriatric specialist doctor, but that's his call. <laughs> Comment from Mike. Uh, as an American, uh, I looked at this meeting with complete embarrassment as Biden mumbled through his notepad, looking fearful that he would lose his place on that device as the world looked on, knowing that he has lost his place on the world stage. Surrounded by his administration of clowns, Mr. Xi looks strong. What a photo op that was for China. All right. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I think that's regular contributor Mike. It could be another Mike. It's a common name. Who knows? Uh, but definitely a listener of the show. We're on right now with Alan Lung, who is the co-convener international with Path of Democracy. Um, so, Alan, uh, you know, looking looking at this, uh, where do we go from here? I mean, will Joe Biden, do you think Joe Biden will be up for another one of these meetings before he gets into full campaign mode in the United States? Or is that it until the Americans have selected a new, uh, a new or continuing president? Well, I think the uh, the uh, even if they don't meet, they've agreed to talk together, and that's that's important. And I think uh, while while you look at the uh, what has been achieved, I think we should also look at uh, why this happened and and who's who's the new personalities behind this. Uh, you may you may you may notice uh, Kurt Campbell becomes uh, deputy secretary of state. Occupying this uh, the, the position uh, vacated by Wendy Sherman, who retired. Mm. And you know, um, what do we know about Kurt Campbell? Uh, Kurt Campbell is an old hand. He, he uh, he's the inventor of Pivot Asia. Uh, he, he wrote a book. Former uh, Harvard professor who was put into uh, uh, become he became assistant secretary of state, uh, put in by uh, Clinton. This is Hillary Clinton, and a long time ago, when 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 the uh, you I don't know if you remember the EP3 reconnaissance train went down in the South China Sea in 2001. Mm. He was assistant secretary of state, and uh, then secretary or uh, then Hong Kong uh, uh, secretary general. Uh, not secretary general, consul general of U.S. consul general in Hong Kong, mm -hmm. Stephen Young reported to him that was a long time ago mm. so he's an old hand no he he's not a hawk he's not a china hawk he's not a china dove but at least he knows his stuff you know and unlike there was almost a vacuum in the state department when when joe biden came in and there was no knowledge and the first meeting in alaska was really embarrassing this they they keep they keep you know throwing rocks at each other and and now it becomes cordial I mean, I mean, at least they understand that, that the Chinese want respect. They don't want to be talked down and so on. That is a almost a cultural understanding, which is which is a big hurdle. The, the this current administration overcome already. So if you overcome personality problem, cultural problem, there's a chance for for moving forward instead of talking down. And I think you have also have to look at the uh, why this is happening. Uh, uh, I think uh, this is not me talking. This is by financial 
uh, uh, foreign pre- uh, foreign policy. Uh, there's a uh, there's a conference, two and a half hour conference, uh, which happened in the Washington Washington D.C. The video is still 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 on. You know, anybody can look at it. Right? The the reason they gave was. Uh, this is a collective summary of, of what happened in that conference. And, and I think the U.S. side found out that China cannot be ignored. And it's better to be, to be more, uh, there's better to have more humility rather than talk, talk down to, uh, to China. I mean, China is, is not Russia. The economy, the, the power is, is too large. And there's no consensus on the, uh, on, 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 on the U.S. side. At least uh, on whether a stagnating China is good for for the U.S. or a strong China is good for U.S. I think China, the Congress will continue to badmouth uh, China, mm. but I think the administration, rather than leading Europe, you know, to do it the American way, I think they are following Europe. Uh, Europe wants to do business with China. But of course, uh, they have the the the, the White House and the administration has to sort of has has to deal with a a Congress which is which is still very aggressive. So this is the uh, this is the uh, background. You know, this is a is a very aggressive Congress, but the uh, the administration is now realizing that that they cannot ignore China, and they realize I think the administration, but not Congress. Understand that in some area, China's technology, particularly in, in uh, EVs, electric vehicles, mm. is way ahead of, of U.S. And China can also fight back if if, if uh, U.S. become sort of sort of too too sort of too aggressive or too too unreasonable in this fight, and they can restrict rare rare earth production yeah. and export to China. Sure. Well, Al, Al you're, you're, shoot, you're shooting off in a lot of different directions there. Tough to keep up. If, if you could find a link to that uh, financial conference you're talking about, so we can nail that down and maybe you know put it on our Facebook so people can better understand what you're what you're what you're saying there. Um, did China need this more than the U.S. though? I mean, they've got a kind of lackluster economy. A lot of young Chinese who thought they were going to go to the school in the United States haven't been able to go on account of geopolitical tensions uh, and are unhappy about that. Uh, you know the business community. I mean, did was this was this a you know did China need this to happen as well? Is this a win for them just just to lower the temperature? I think both sides need needs it. I, I uh, you think the uh, the U.S. economy is doing very well. Uh, they 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 are over borrowing. If you notice the uh, U.S. Treasury, the interest rate is reaching the uh, sort of uh, dangerous point, and and they they at least. And Yellen has been uh, particularly friendly to uh, Holly Fong. You know, the, the, you know, he's not he's he's, he's a presidency's economic guy, and uh, I think that at least the U.S. side doesn't want China to, if not buy more U.S. Treasury bonds, at least stop dumping. Uh, U.S. cannot afford the, uh, the the interest rates to keep going up. They they they, they will they will the China, U.S. the U.S. will go broke just paying interest. The gold goes over five percent, and and the seven uh, percent is absolutely maximum at the point that that the, uh, the the U.S. will fall apart, and they they are almost reaching that point at, at some at some sometime before. Yeah. I- 
Yeah, sorry, Rainbow. No, no, no. Uh, no, I was thinking um, both sides needed, uh, you know, uh, Alan, I think I have this fair, but yeah, both sides needed this meeting and both sides got something out of it. But do you think, Alan, that there were any missed opportunities on either side? Or by either side, I mean? Well, missed opportunity, uh, depending on, 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 on point of view. Mm. I mean, Congress certainly thinks that the administration is, is doing the wrong thing. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a Congress that, that is still pumping up very aggressive uh, papers on, on China. Uh, uh, and, but the administration, they, they are professional. They understand the, the reality of things. That, uh, I mean, China, if, if you don't do business with China, the Europeans are. Like Volkswagen invests money into uh, electric vehicles in, in China. And m m many of the electric vehicles uh, uh, of, of, uh, of European brands like Volvo are actually made in China. And that, there is a, a production or advantage that it would, it would take a long, 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 long time for, for, for US to, to catch up. And there is, I mean, they, they keep, they, they, they. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the the American public keep thinking uh, China is a technically be, uh, sort of uh, less developed country. This is not true. There, there is now in some areas, uh, China can. I mean, U.S. can benefit from tech transfer from from uh, from China. Yeah, but well, Ellen, isn't, isn't that a little bit of a dated view, though? I don't think Americans do think that China's behind them. I think Americans are deathly afraid that China's getting ahead of them. You know, they're, they're having like a Sputnik moment, like when the Russians, uh, uh, you know, got a satellite into space ahead of the Americans. I, I don't think Americans think China's a backward mm. place anymore. I think they're worried about being surpassed. Well, I think uh, in, in, uh, in a con condescending way, but they still, they still look at, you know, they cannot accept I mean, it's even difficult for for Hong Kong Hong Kong people to accept this this sort of miracle rise in the technolo technology advances. It's not expected. The Congress is still saying that that, that uh, China is stealing U.S. technology. They, they're, pump paper, they're pumping up paper, pumping up paper, saying that but the reality. Uh, Technology is is, a, is sort of a global thing. There's no no one can 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 own technology uh, exclusively. In China, it's not not it's developing technology that is in in their own rights. Like what what used to be called Twitter is called now called X, because uh, the founders like uh, WeChat, you know, they think it's the most wonderful apps in the world. <laughs> so those are the things. It's application and. Even basic research, uh, uh, China is, is, is way ahead, and, and China can simply cannot be ignored. While the administration, White House, understand that they are professional uh, politicians, administrators, and so on, I don't think Congress understand that. I, I mean, Biden and Xi did discuss AI, um, but, but I just can't recall what came out of that. Alan, uh, do, do you remember? They agreed to uh, to uh, regulate AI. That's what they agree on, which is a good, good thing. And this is what should be happening. But both sides are, are moving ahead with, with AI. But U.S. is restricting uh, uh, the AI chips to, uh, to to be exported to China. The only thing that could happen if they if is 
if the U.S. is continue to be unreasonable, one uh, people like Intel, AMD will can go out of business. I mean, they they keep in, insisting I won't I won't I won't give you the most advanced chips, and they will even force China to develop its own. Which is fine, right? China will yeah. develop. Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of brain power in China. Probably they'll figure out how to make their own chips. I mean, is, is that really such a big deal? I mean, they can slow things down for a while, but eh, I mean, it, in, it, in, it, the, in the it, medium it, to long run, it's probably it, not going to have that much it, impact. It is, it is a big deal in the short run. Yeah. Uh, the ultraviolet, uh, uh, the ultraviolet technology. They're restricting the uh, the, the edging machine uh, that is only made in, in Holland. But in the, in the long run, there are other technology can can that can that can be bypassed, such as the uh, sort of nano printing technology now mm-hmm. now owned by <laughs> owned by Canon uh, Japan. Right. And I think those are the things that you know the, the technology never stops. And if you keep pushing China, they will simply invent their own. I mean, they think they think uh, China at the, at the time they think China, they could exclude China on this uh, international space station. And now China is the only only game in town. China is the only only country that that can manage a this the the, the space station while the uh, the Russian space station is sort of falling apart already. I don't uh, know. I don't think they had any space talk on this one, but who knows? Maybe at the next summit that could happen. Thank you very yep. much uh, for joining us today. Alan Lung is the co-convener international with Path of Democracy. Thank you for joining us on Backchat. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. And we're back on back chat, and we are switching from uh, the grand world of uh, political geopolitical uh, tensions and happenings to the world of science and uh, specifically biodegradable packaging. We're going to welcome to the show now a local researcher, Professor Nai To, who is the assistant dean of research at the Faculty of Science and a professor in the Department of Chemistry. Uh, professor Nai, what have you done? You have you have invented something that the people want to know about. Oh, yes, thank, uh, thank you for, for letting me have introduced uh, some of our uh, newly research. Uh, our research is mostly uh, focused to find some of the new biodegradable material, and then we hope that they can be an alternative uh, to replace some of the single-use uh, plastic packaging material. Uh, so I uh, mostly currently we use a lot of the uh, plastic uh, material uh, they're using in the packaging. So in the packaging food, uh, mostly uh, sometimes they only displayed uh, on the supermarket, uh, shared over a matter of days, uh, and then quickly they will be di- disclosed. Uh, once disclosed, uh, usually it will be take uh, hundreds of years uh, to decompose. Uh, those plastic packaging material, they may be uh, Sometimes they will cause the death of the animals uh, due to the ingestion of the plastic waste. And they also they will create uh, microplastic. Uh, they will enter the food chain and then will be destroyed the uh, entire system. Uh, so in this way, that means uh, for this environmental issue, uh, so researchers and then one, we are one of the team, we try to seeking for the uh, biodegradable uh, biomass uh, alternative, uh, and then such as one we call is the bacterial cells, uh, and then we hope we can be uh, as a potential uh, to replace of this single-use uh, plastic. 
Uh, and Professor, biodegradable yeah. packaging as an idea has been around a few years. I mean, I've heard, um, you know, uh, uh, things that have been bounced around have included um, algae, oyster shells, even cheese whey, I've heard. So, so what is different or cutting edge about your research? Uh, so I think the... Uh from the method will be quite different. Uh, currently, some of the uh, biodegradable material, uh, sometimes they are still, uh, maybe they are still derived from the petroleum-based material. Uh, they are not really uh, biodegradable. The only maybe the uh, original the source, uh, they are bio-based. But eventually, after they made of this polymer or plastic material, they are still not biodegradable. Mm-hmm. And also, some of the biomaterial, uh, they claim they are biodegradable, but they are may lead a special condition, uh, like the temperature, uh, and they also they may be also take a very long time if you just simply uh, dispose uh, in, uh, in for the name field. So our material, that means here is, uh, we call it the uh, material material. So actually, this the process is uh, very unique. Uh, this light we call it the microbial uh, fermentation process. Uh, we use the uh, material or yeast, uh, so this one uh, like the small uh, manufacturing uh, uh, side, and then we put this the material just in the some of the traditional tea, uh, and then put some the sugar, uh, and then this material will be uh, undergo the, we call the fermentation process, uh, and then this material with the squid uh, or the cellulose material. And then this cellulose fiber is the same as the uh, cells we get from the cell wall of the uh, typical the plant, but in this way we don't need to uh, harvesting the plant. Here we just uh, think single the more uh, microbial fermentation process, and then we create same uh, material the cells, uh, and then they have uh, even sometimes the better. Uh, mechanical property, uh, and then they can be using uh, in the packaging material. So you're, you're using microbes to, is it cellulose? You're creating a cellulose, the, the same thing as a cellulose wall using microbial processes? Or is it a different, or is it a different kind of plant material? Uh, we, we to, to create a cell, a cellulose material is the same. Uh, but here we have, uh, the, this, cell, this cellulose uh, is uh, from the this the material they secret uh, that they produce uh, this material, and then for the plant we have the cell wall material. This the same material, but plant you may be uh, sometime we need to plant a tree and then you maybe mm. take several months. But in here we use the material. We also produce the cells, but this one may be, can be within one week. So, so your material is a hundred percent grown in the lab. Yes, at this moment, yeah, it's. Uh, uh, 100% they are in, in the lab, in the less scale, but this one can be also be uh, large scale for the production. Uh, usually, because the process is quite simple, uh, the ingredient what we need is the tea uh, and then sugar, uh, and then we have some of this special type of this the bacteria, and this bacteria is also quite common. Uh, there are we sometimes we use this bacteria and then yeast to produce some we call the. Uh, Kambo tea, uh, the, like this, the uh, Kampochua tea, they also is produced by this material. So when you say using tea and sugar, are you using uh, raw sugar cane harvested off the field? Are you using the residuals that are left over after you process sugar cane to get refined sugar? Uh, and same for tea. Are you using fresh tea to turn it into packaging? Or is it some kind of a tea byproduct from the processing? I mean, 
Which which part of tea and sugar are you using? Because I mean, I mean, if you're using processed sugar, I mean that that seems very intensive. But if you're using the waste product from sugar processing, think, uh, that, mm-hmm. you know that might be a better solution. Which which yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah this, uh, so currently we are using uh, is 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 the warm tea and then, and then the sugar and then to uh, and then add this the bacteria to produce this bacterial cells. But in principle. Uh, some many many of you, what you mentioned like the tea uh, residue or even some of the uh, food waste product because they uh, they also can be used as a medium to culture this material uh, and then to grow the uh, cells. Uh, so this is one of the uh, one way of the research we are ongoing. Uh, we try to generate the same bacterial cells but from food waste and then also from the tea residue, uh, and then in this way we can uh, save the cost uh, and then to produce this material. So after we drink the tea, then we get our fortune told, then we scoop it out of the cup, and then, then we have to, like, send it to you? <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> then we, the and then we simply we add some of the sugar or some other nutrients, and then they can be, continue to grow. Oh. So, so I understand your research, the materials, is at the laboratory stage. Um, mm. When, in your view, can the final product reach the market? Uh, so I think the, uh, they still need Sometimes, uh, maybe uh, one or two years, uh, the, for some of the reasons, uh, the first are uh, usually, currently the production rate is still low. Uh, so usually we, it will take uh, uh, for one week, uh, but they will only grow uh, a, a several centimeter thickness uh, of this film material. Uh, and then the other one thing that we still uh, try need to improve uh, the property of this the, uh, cell cellulose membrane. Uh, if we simply we get this fresh uh, cell bacterial cells, so uh, usually they are still uh, unfavorable. They're still sensitive uh, to the moisture in the air. That means uh, the vapor permeability that is lower. Uh, so in this way, if they are using in the food packaging. Uh, if we cannot have this to prevent this the water vapor to penetrate, and the food bacteria will easily to have some of the bacterial growth. Uh, and then also, uh, this one is very recall is that they like water. Uh, so they like the, like the, all the cells, like the cotton. Uh, so if we want to, uh, they become the packaging for some of the oil material, uh, we still need some of the surface modification or some of the other method uh, to improve the water vapor or oil resistant, and then they can be become um, much more better, and then to replace this the packaging material. Mm, okay, you you did you did talk earlier when when Rainbow asked you about the benefits of this over current biodegradable packaging. I've got an email here from Mike who says, interesting idea. Does the breakdown produce anything toxic in the atmosphere as a result? And I think Rainbow, you've got a follow on yeah, question. Yeah, I, I had a question about the negative environmental risk or or um, or any non green aspects uh, that might that might you know, arise from the research. So, Professor, mm. are there any non-green aspects you'd like to tell us about? I think the, this one is, uh, the, for, for those materials, I think the, 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 the most advantage is they are fully biodegradable if you go to the landfill. So typically take one or two months, they will be fully biodegradable. Even in a landfill. So if they're, if they're buried under mountains of garbage, they'll still have enough access to whatever microbial environment they need to be broken down? Because right, right now, I think a lot of biodegradable packaging just doesn't get it, 
Yeah, so this one is, uh, is you just simply uh, you just bury, uh, bury inside the soil and then they have some other the my, uh, micro uh, enzymes they will digest uh, all this membrane. But if you keep in the uh, uh, usual uh, the normal place, uh, they will be very stable. Uh, like, but, like mm-hmm. Mike asked and like Raybot's brother, does it produce methane or something? Because I know in a lot of landfill, you know, they have flaring where they have to burn off the methane or in some cases they try to capture the methane so they can use it for energy. Um, w- will it produce methane or other gases that will need to be dealt with? Oh, so this one, we will not. This one, will, they, are, will be simply, uh, they will decompose and then they be, uh, they be because they all is a carbon-based material and then they may be produced like the CO2, uh, CO2 and the other small ingredients, uh, they will not be produced like what you mentioned, other methane or other issues. So not methane, but uh, carbon dioxide, which, you know, people aren't thrilled with these days. Um, and how about the cost? Like, we, we kind of touched on that a little bit when I asked about the materials. Um, mm. But, you know, people are making packaging out of bamboo now. Some of the, you know... Um, uh, Hong Kong is introducing legislative measures, so I think uh, if you're restaurants, you're going to have to pay more for packaging anyways. You're not going to have the choice to go for the cheap plastic, cheap styrofoam. And how do we know it's cheaper? Because that's what they use when they can, you know, when, they, when they're not legislated in other directions. Um, how soon are you going to be able to get an accurate costing of what it would take to produce this en masse? So I think the, uh, the cost is, uh, will be really depending on the scale of the production uh, and then also the uh, the processing the process uh, so currently I, I so currently the, the price uh, they may be uh, two or three times uh, of the uh, currently we use the packaging material uh, uh, in the full packaging uh, so you, because the plastic uh, usually they are uh, the most advantage we use so much because they have a low cost uh, and then because also low cost, and then we have uh, this, the problem of the single use and depo- uh, and then de- and then we just uh, at di- disposal. I think the cost will be really depending on the uh, the, the process uh, for and then the scale of the production. Uh, currently, we are facing the challenge uh, of this. The, it's the large scale production uh, because this material cellulose rules. Uh, they still have not like the typical the plastic they have. We call thermoplastic property. That means they can be, this material, they can be male, uh, and then they can be, uh, after the male become the liquid state, and then they can be remote and then to the different shape. So that means we are, if we can uh, have uh, some of uh, the in this area, uh, and then I guess the cost will be uh, significantly reduced and then can be compatible uh, to the uh, Current we use the plastic material, but this maybe still take uh, uh, several times, uh, take times, and maybe I I cannot say uh, how long, but uh, typically maybe still like some of the uh, research uh, in this area uh, may take uh, at least uh, two or three years. Uh, uh, to, wow. to focus on this direction. Mm. Okay, so this will be one that we'll have to keep an eye on over the next couple of years because, of course, first you have to produce the material and then you have to be able to mold it into the shapes and then convince the buying public to uh, to adopt it. Yes. Thank you very much, Professor No Tai, Assistant Dean of Research and at the Faculty of Science. He's also a professor in the Department of Chemistry, all at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. We'll have to keep an eye on that research to come. Uh, I'm going to say thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we're going to have back chat again on Monday with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse lighting the airwaves on fire. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today, Rainbow. 
Nice thank to be you. on. You betcha. I'd also like to thank our producer, Rafael Blatt, and our sound engineer, Tung Wing Ming, the man. Thank you very much. And this has been Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work. <laughs>